0: You're listening to
1: Environmentally Speaking, a weekly podcast diving into legal matters surrounding the environment, public utilities, energy, zoning, and permitting laws in Rhode Island and the surrounding areas with your host, Marissa Desitel.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Environmentally Speaking. Hey, guys, I'm Marissa Desitel, an environmental attorney. And I'm Clarice. I'm coming in with our questions, topics, and and things to discuss. And this week, like we promised last week, we have a very special guest. We have Bob Rooley, the town planner of Warren. Thanks for coming in, Bob. We enjoyed it.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Hi, Bob. So our,
0: like I was telling you before we started recording, uh, the reason that we were so excited to have you come on here is one of our past guests, Elisa Richardson who's a stormwater engineer, said that that you're the guy as far as climate change and municipal planning is concerned. And following up on the materials that you sent us in advance of the episode, I'm in the industry. I had no idea this was going on. So I think it's so important for the information to get out there so people understand that Climate change is not a pie in the sky concept anymore. What can you tell I, I, us about it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I often say that one of the hardest things talking about climate change and, mm-hmm. and sea level rise is just how do you do the messaging. You know, how do you not scare people? Mm-hmm. And there are lots of doubters out there. Um, and we've done numerous public presentations, and I think the second or third slide in our deck is like all of the sources that we've gotten data from just to validate the science because there are people that still don't believe it's a real thing. Um, and I, I think one of my largest frustrations is just the lack of involvement from elected officials at the local and state level on issues like this. Um, the federal delegation has been very supportive of our efforts. Um, Market to Medicom was initially funded by a grant that we got through EPA that Senator Reed helped us with. Uh, but as you know, Senator Whitehouse is a very large champion of environmental issues. Yes. Um, so, I mean, he's been a constant supporter. But, I mean, these are, you know, the kinds of things that you can't plan for it to happen tomorrow. Um, there's a lot of moving pieces to it. Um, I, I try to not think like a normal government person that, you know, tends to be looking in straight lines. <laughs> I, I like to say that I'm, I'm all about connecting dots and, uh, you know, to the side, to the front, to the back. Uh, I work both in the public sector and in the private sector. So I kind of take a different approach to how I treat my job. I tell people I keep my sanity because I'm only a planner 50% of the time and then I'm an economic development guy, the other 50%. So it kind of balances me out. Um, but, and, and I'm fortunate that you no, know, I work in a town that's allowed me to kind of break some eggs with what we're doing with, with this plan. Um, and I think one of the things that's attractive about it is there's many pieces to it. It's, it's climate change. It's sea level rise. It's economic revitalization. It's creating workforce housing. There's environmental improvements with respect to stormwater management, um, managed retreat. I mean, it's got a lot of moving pieces to it. Um, uh, but I think it's also, Parts of it or all of it can be replicated, not just within Rhode Island, but in other parts of the country. But again, getting people to focus on it, it's difficult. We see what the impacts of a hurricane or a tornado or a wildfire are, but when we're talking about three inches of sea level rise over X period of years, it's hard for people to visualize that. Um, They know what the immediate effects are after a significant precipitation event, but then two weeks later, that's not going to happen again until it does. Um, so.
2: I'm going to jump in real quick. I know we're talking about this issue in this situation. Let's pull back a little bit. What's going on? Let's start right at the beginning and lay some foundation here.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, in Warren, our average elevation is seven feet. And if we look at the NOAA predictions and FEMA predictions, By 2100, Warren is forecasted to have nine feet of sea level rise. So we're two feet underwater by that time. Um, By 2035, we know that there are uh, areas of town that roads will be flooded on a daily basis. Um, When that starts to happen, then we start to see repetitive property loss in in, in residential housing. when that becomes too chronic of a problem then we either lose those homes or they are not able to finance them or get insurance for them so we've purposely in the market to medicom set kind of four milestones 2035 because people can imagine they still might be here in 2035 what the impact that's going to be in 2050 2075 and 2100 and it's scary um but Again, I, I think a lot of people are deniers and, you know, they don't want to believe that's going to happen. Um, yeah. I can't say mm-hmm. with certainty this is going to happen in 2035 because it could happen in 2030, too. You're mm-hmm. seeing the frequency of really uh, incredible precipitation events on a more regular basis now. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a real problem, but... You know, in government, no decision is made quickly. And I think a lot, a lot of what we're trying to do now is educate people as best we can. Um, I've just recently came aware of that maybe messaging to younger people is better than trying to message to their parents. Because, <laughs> uh, I did a program out on Hope High School and the students were really engaged, asked questions like, how come they don't teach this in school? And, you know, that I know where that street is. You know, my grandmother lives there. So, um, that was refreshing, but, and there are people that really do believe it's going to happen, but they, you know, just hope that it's not why they're there.
0: So you'd mentioned a phrase a couple of times, market to Medicom for those folks that are not familiar with the town of Warren in Rhode Island. Could you explain what that is?
1: Sure yeah so market to medicom is a they call it a climate response economic development initiative market street is uh an area of town people know where daniels park is in belcher's cove market street runs along there um, very very low-lying very vulnerable to sea level rise and, and flooding and we know that we need to do something there so what is that something i mean possibly property buyouts prop possibly abandoning the road and utilities and letting that area become what it wants to be a wetland and create a buffer for other areas of town that potentially could be flooded. Medicom is the 136 corridor where it's a lot of one-story park in the front buildings. we got Ocean State job lot, which is on eight acres of hard, impervious surface area. I say that it represents the very best of 1950s, 1960s planning. That's not a compliment. No. Um, but so it, it has a lot of opportunity for redevelopment. It's a major, uh, commuting corridor to Aquidneck Island. So the, that part of it is really an economic development, create transit orientated development, uh, create more housing, affordable housing, mixed income housing, um, and really just change what that landscape is. I mean, really kind of make that a smart growth model. That, MediCom piece could stand on its own as as an initiative. Politically, I linked them together because we knew that if we are going to do property buyouts, that people are going to be displaced. And oftentimes when people do property buyouts, when communities do this, they're not thinking about, okay, where are these people going to go? So We want to create an opportunity for these residents to stay within Warren. Uh, Market Street is in a low-moderate-income census tract. So there's some social justice issues here as well. Um, almost half the homes in the area are not owner occupied. Uh, a lot of multi-family homes. Historically, these were uh, mill houses or mill homes. We had three. Turn of the last century, two, three major mills in, in Warren. Uh, people familiar with American Tourister, yep. and we have Cutler Mill and Parker Mill. So this area was central to all of those mills, I and mean, people can walk to you know any of them. Um, so, you know, we have a fear that a lot of residents that live there now are not getting the message in terms of public meetings and public awareness we're doing because those notices are going to the property owner and he doesn't probably want to scare off his tenants from leaving. Right, right. So, I mean, we're trying to take a very comprehensive look at what do we do? Uh, we're engaged in a pilot program with the Rhode Island Department of Transportation on road adaptation. Market Street is identified to be one of the top three most vulnerable to sea level rise in the state, yet the state doesn't have any kind of plan for road adaptation. There are very few in the country. Um, So we're, I was pursuing some federal money to look at that and then DOT stepped in with some money that they had. So we're looking at that. Um, And then we have inland wetland area in that area as well. So we secured some funding through the USDA, through the National Conservation Resource Services. Uh, to look at that because what we have in that Market Street, Child Street area is a convergence of seawater and freshwater. Um, so looking to how we can mitigate that and displace the fewest number of people, but we know that there's definitely going to be a need to relocate a percentage of the population in that area and remove as much hard surface as we can. So that's a long answer to your short question. <laughs>
2: Go ahead,
0: this, Grace, I have a question, but I, can, I, can I was going to
2: say it sounds like there are so many, I mean, obviously this isn't just one flat, simple problem. This has so many different elements and so many different sides to consider as you're planning. How did you and I imagine the rest of your team begin to tackle this, begin to brainstorm? How did that process even start?
1: Caffeine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you just say
0: caffeine?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Lots of coffee.
1: <laughs> Amen. So, I'm actually uh, an office of one person. Um, I don't have any staff. Uh, we did work with uh, a colleague of mine, I don't know, Robinson from Press and O'Neill. Um, we, we brought them on. Um, but, the, I mean, the genesis for, for the Market Street portion of this was I participated in an open studio about four years ago with... Um, some students from the University of Pennsylvania School of Architecture that the Van Buren Charitable Trust had funded uh, to allow them to come up here, and um, we were walking in the Market Street area with the students, and they remarked about how it was on a moon tide, how high the water was, and what was going to happen to these houses in this area, which kind of got me thinking. Yeah, that's a good question, and you know that we need to do something. Um, And then, I, you know, I've always just been appalled by what 136 looks like and the opportunity to, like, how can we reimagine that? And I just had the crazy idea that, okay, let's throw some spaghetti against the wall, put in a grant request to look at tying these two things together and see what happens. And the EPA program we got the money through is through the uh, Southern New England Estuary Protection Program. Um, probably the least likely agency that I thought would ever fund something like this. But what they liked about it was that it could be replicated in other areas and that we were, you know, the thinking we out into it was like, as you mentioned, touching so many different things. I mean, I, I always describe it as if, if I'm looking at one part of the plan, that's one tile, But if I pull back, that whole mosaic takes on a whole different mm-hmm. view. Um, and, and that's what I, what I meant earlier is that you can't just look at, OK, I'm going to attack housing then I'm going to attack transportation. I mean, how do you link all those things together? And you know, I've had an opportunity to speak to almost every elected official at the state level about this. And sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't. Um, and and I think a lot of that is because of the kind of narrow focus thinking. Um I won't mention names, but somebody running for higher office in the state had on their website a reference to on climate change to Warren. And I said, they've never been to Warren. I, we've never talked. And I got in touch with the campaign head. I said, I feel like you have my picture on your Tinder profile because <laughs> we're talking about Warren and, um, we never talked. And so fast forward about a month later, that candidate came in and got a, not a TED talk, but a Bob talk on, you know, here's how you really do climate change and here's how you really do address affordable housing. So I've had the opportunities to speak to others. I mean, we presented to the EC4 last week. I've been, you know, I'm on the statewide traffic. Bob, what's the
0: what's the EC4 for folks that are not familiar with that acronym? That
1: is the executive. Uh, climate Coordinating Council for Climate Change.
0: And what does that body do?
1: Um, the gov- I think Governor Ramondo started that about four or five years ago. It brings yeah. together, the, you know, basically cabinet-level leaders from across the state um, to talk about, you know, what are we doing with respect to climate change? You know, not just sea level rise, but renewable energy. Uh, so something from public utilities is on there. Uh, Department of Health is representative CRMC. Um, yep. so they meet quarterly. Um, I don't know that they promulgate any laws, but I mean, at least it's having a conversation and hopefully those conversations are going back to the agencies that they represent. Uh, I presented to this, the, the uh, state planning council. Um, you know, and again, everyone is like, that's amazing. Are other people talking to you? I'm like, no, no one, no one else is talking to oh me. Oh my God. It's, and I think you know it's maybe it, lack of courage to take it on. Um, but you know, again, we're, I'm not just dealing with climate change. I'm trying to address a housing issue too. That's a statewide problem. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: when I, I when I have briefed elected officials, we're up, we're changing the zoning on Metacom, so we're creating higher density as yeah, we I can and we should. But that creates more value for the property owners, right? So you know, I'm trying to explain to elected officials that I can build 600 units of affordable housing without using any of your money because I'm creating more density. Therefore, I'm creating more value for for the property owner. We're adopting a form-based code, which is a very predictable uh, development scheme where a developer comes in, he checks all the boxes. I and mean, here's where we want buildings located. Here's the design we want. Here's the uses, materials, so on and so forth. We want them renewable, have renewable energy in them then it's an expedited approval process. I mean I did something similar to this twenty years ago in Arlington, Virginia and on the Columbia Pike uh corridor. They're getting major projects approved in less than a year. So for a large development, I mean that's pretty significant for a developer. So we're creating those incentives. Um but, you know, again, I I lose people halfway through this conversation because like wow, you can't do all of that. I'm like, yeah, but we are. <laughs>
0: it's already happening.
1: Already happening.
0: So uh, that's a that's a ton of information. Um, I'm, it's it's overwhelming for sure. I'm assuming that's why you lose some folks halfway through because it's just it's almost too much to process. But I'm I'm saying all the time on this podcast. Uh, I don't know if anyone's listening, but <laughs> I'm saying all the time that we have kicked the can down the road for so long and for so far that I think we're going to start seeing more instances of extreme conditions like what Warren is is looking at. So I'm not surprised to hear what you're saying. What surprises me though is the lack of engagement from everybody. Maybe it's just that folks are, they get overwhelmed or they, they need to deny it i'm not sure but how do you see how do you see this playing out do you think folks are just going to ignore it until they have to move out of their house or do you have some other thought
1: yeah i think there will always be those people that will never believe it until it happens warren participated this spring in a program called envision resilience uh, narragansett bay challenge It was modeled after a program done last year in nantucket um, it was funded by Eric and Wendy Schmidt Family Foundation. So okay. we had, they worked in six communities in Rhode Island, uh, bringing together six universities looking at climate change and sea level rise. So Warren was, was one of those communities. And so I had students from RISD School of Architecture, Syracuse University School of Architecture, Roger Williams Law School looking at buyouts. University of Rhode Island um all working in, in Warren and then University of Florida film students and it was interesting because their work product was on display at the Water Fire Arts Center in June and I think that was another way to communicate to people I mean just this is coming from college students that don't even live in this area in, in terms of how they presented the issue um yep what, what they showed in terms of innovative ideas for areas that there is retreat. Um, and so that was one way to engage people. Um, as I said before, I mean, I think having conversations with high school students is probably uh, another way to communicate. We do a lot of public art in Warren. We've worked with the Avenue concept. We've had nine electric boxes that are painted. Um, we're about to have a mural on a, on a storefront um, painted that's going to have a climate change focus. So I think, you know, using art as kind of a messaging tool to educate people is something mm. that, you know, we're, we're looking at and just not getting frustrated trying to have conversations with the public. I mean, I'm not trying to make them drink through a fire hose with information. Um, yep. you know, try to try to set the table with uh, information that's useful. And, but again, the problem is, You know, if you try to animate what this looks like then it really does look like a comic, you know, it's um, and it's I don't think people can get their arms around. So it's three inches of water. What does that mean? Well, you add in storm surge and wave action and it's suddenly more than that. Um,
0: yeah, I think you know. Are there any? Um, are there any render? Sorry to cut you off, but before I forget, are there any renderings or photos or video that folks can look at to get a sense of what this is actually going to look like?
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, if you Google Market to Medicom, it will bring you bring up a number of different uh, links, but they all link back to a, a website that we've set up for this initiative. So it's got tapes of every public meeting we've done. Uh, it's got our final report for SNAP. Uh, we keep adding information to it. But if somebody went through the slide decks of, of the presentations, I mean, you know, you're basically, you know, we can look at Market Street area, what it looked like 100 years ago, and then 1930s, you can see how much of the shoreline has been lost over that period of time. And we have photos in there uh, that were taken last fall by a drone on a King Tide, um, and I mean, it looks like people have an infinity pool in their backyard. I mean, you can really see oh, how man. close the water oh, is to God. the house, but there's also, you know, National Grid or Rhode Island Energy now has assets that are in the flood zone. I mean, there's one picture where you can see the water right up against an electrical substation. So you know, I, I think it's not just the loss of property. Our two of our three evacuation routes go through this area. Um, that's a concern. <laughs> Uh, the shelter is on the other side of, you know, where the flooding is. So that's not good. Um, but you know, again, we worry about, you know, water inundation underneath the roads because of the infrastructure that's there. Um, I don't know what inventory Rhode Island energy has on underground. They don't share that information readily. So there's a lot of moving pieces to it. I mean, I have concern if there's property that is damaged and the property owner just walks away from it. So there's environmental issues there. What's in that basement? Um, Yeah. Who's going to take the house down?
0: Are there any commercial properties located within the zones that you're concerned with?
1: Yeah, there is. I mean, there's one picture in there. I call it my Warriors Waldo picture It's at the intersection of Redmond and Market Street. I always challenge people to say, what's wrong with this picture? And they're like, well, the truck is driving through the flooded water. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But there's a dry cleaner, an auto body shop in you know, a furniture stripping you can see all those signs so I'm like so those all have funky things in the basement and now yeah. they flood then yeah. that waters you know so you, you really should be concerned about that um and you know i think some of the property owners in that area are starting to get it a few years ago uh, sophie rudin who was the environmental reporter for Rhode island public radio she's since lost left to go to law school but she did a story and she talked to the guy that leases the auto body shop. He said, you know, my father was here and I've been here and I'm not relieving. And then last fall, Alex Kufner from Providence Journal did some stories. And the day we were there, it was just after King Tide. And there were actually fish on the sidewalk. Oh my and God. Th- we talked to the <sighs> auto body shop guy and he's like, you know what? I have water in the building for like the first time. And now he's like, maybe I do have to move. So. You know, it's unfortunate you have to like have that happen. Right. To, to that yeah. point. But, you know, and I've had realtors like come with pitchforks and just and like you're ruining our business because you're devaluing property. You're like that's not true at all. I and, and something really interesting that happened after Alex's, you know, articles were in in October was that people called like, you know, this is horrible. Like it really occurred to me that none of these people had refinanced any time recently because the flood mm. insurance premiums would, so what we know down in the Market Street area is there's a lot of intergenerational housing um, mm-hmm. that probably doesn't have a lot of debt on it because anybody there would have been seeing ridiculous flood insurance premiums. Um,
0: if if they could get coverage at all.
1: If, if they could get it at yeah. all. Yeah, if,
0: that's a good point. Well, so, Bob, could you give us the um, the specifics on the website that you referenced in case our listeners want to go on and take a look at the material you've put up.
1: Give you the address.
2: Yes, if you have it.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's a weird link address, so it's easier just to, Google, just to market. Google. I'll
2: be sure to include it in the show notes as well. Okay,
0: but um, to just Google Market to market Metacom. To Metacom. Okay.
1: Okay. Was, Senator Whitehouse every year has a uh, energy, environment, and oceans conference that yes. he does online. And I had a chance to present to that audience in, in December. And but that was great because you had people from all over the country that are in this area, in this space. And uh, this is forward thinking. This is unbelievable. No one else is doing this. And then to come back to Warren and, oh, you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you're the guy that ruined my property value. Oh, yeah, it's, it's your fault. fault. Oh, you did this, Bob. I just spoke right after John Kerry, but you know, that's okay.
0: Um. <laughs> so if, if people have questions, and I'm sure they will, um, sometimes mm-hmm. they, they write into us or on social media, they'll ask a question in follow up. So it could be that you might hear from us in the future, um, just to, to, you know, if anyone has a, a follow up question, but are you also entertaining Questions and conversations from the public and media and the people of Rhode Island, or would you prefer that they not contact you?
1: No, I mean, I I think, you know, again, this problem is not unique to to Warren. I I get criticized a lot because I'm not from Rhode Island originally and I've worked in government and other areas. So I'm a huge proponent of regionalism, which is like profanity in Rhode Island. It is. And so, dare you sea level rise and climate change doesn't know where the town line is right right um, we, we have to kind of collectively talk about these issues lieutenant governor uh, there was a power place summit that Gross smart rhode island put on last week and i had briefed her on our affordable housing piece back i don't know last december and she was going on a panel discussion before the breakout sessions last week in providence and she didn't know i was there and, and they asked on the housing piece, you know, so what can communities be doing to, you know, get housing built and, well, they should talk to Warren. I mean, you know, they've got like this amazing plan. I mean, just the way that he's thinking about it and how he's addressing it that, you know, I don't know why other communities aren't down there talking and my phone still has not rung. Wow. Um, But but, I mean, I'll talk to anybody about it because we need to talk about it
0: agreed so where can people reach you bob what's a good number
1: my uh email is b r u l l i at town of warren all one word hyphen ri dot gov my office number is four zero one two eight nine zero five two nine, or they can catch me on linkedin
2: okay great and now one last question i don't i don't know if you Listen to the podcast before if you haven't i won't put you on the spot but i do try to find some small piece of good news is there is there any good news is there any hopeful message or or some positive call to action we can kind of end this on marissa likes to end things real dark and i'm fighting her yet again
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean i think if if you if you look at the Metacom portion of this, and, and you know, for a town of of 10,000 plus residents, the opportunity to create 600 units of mixed-income housing, I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's good. Um, the fact that if we have to displace people, that we can offer them the opportunity to stay in Warren, have access to transportation, maybe live in better housing than they're in now, that's affordable. That's good. Um, If we're able to recognize that there are parts of town that we have to sacrifice for the greater good, and we can do that in a smart way that's environmentally smart, that maybe creates more recreation opportunities, that's good. Um, So this is not a negative plan. This is a reality plan um, and and a future thinking plan. Um, But again, it's not not every element could be replicated in in Rhode Island, but a lot of areas that quit. I mean, particularly, you know, I look at the Route 2 corridor, Route 4, Route 1, there's huge opportunities to do something better than what's being done there. Has access to transportation, has access to infrastructure. You know, it's forcing us to do a capacity study now. I mean, do we if we build six hundred units of housing? What's that mean for the sanitary sewer system? But the flip side of that is you get out of the box, thinkers like the RISD students are looking, okay, you know, there's things you can do within the project area in terms of uh, sanitary sewer and, and, you know, package plants and things of that nature. So um, I think the more education you have and the more positive conversations you can have with people, the better we're all going to be. But, and not have the conversation like it's doom and gloom. I mean, this is an opportunity. Um, we, I put it in slides because I know a lot of elected officials don't like to talk about it. I have a slide in there. Okay. For no other reason, if you ignore this, this is how much revenue we're going to lose. This is property tax revenue. We're going to lose. This is business revenue we're going to lose if we do nothing. So I don't think anybody wants to own that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So for once I get to end it on a positive note, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us about something so, so important, not just for Warren, but it sheds a ton of light on on the bigger picture of what's happening with our coastlines and in our neighborhoods.
1: Yeah. And again, I mean, I, with all sincerity, I mean, I'm happy to talk to anybody, individuals, groups, schools, governments. um, you know, and I've had that opportunity often, but I mean, I think that the more we're talking about it and the more that we as a state recognize that it's not a Warren issue, it's a state issue and it's a yes. national issue and it's yes. a world issue, then you know, we have a better chance of, of trying to be prepared and, and solve some of these problems. But I might be tilting at windmills too.
0: Well, (laughs) hang
2: in there, Bob. Thanks for all the hard work. Yeah, thank you. If anybody has any questions or comments or um, anything that you'd want us to send Bob's way, please reach up to us at help at desatelesq.com. You could find us on all social media platforms. And otherwise, we hope you guys have a good week.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Environmentally Speaking. If you're in need of an environmental attorney, we are here to help. Call us at four zero one four seven seven zero zero two three, or visit our website at www.desatellaw.com. That's wwwd